morning and welcome to, <laughs> to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, you are joined by the breakfast team, Lawson and... Lyle! You messed it up. You didn't get it right. I didn't you say double L. You didn't yeah, say the double L team. Say, dude, you didn't say right I, across Australia. You didn't, you, you didn't say some of the so stuff. So someone texted in yesterday and was roasting Lyle and was like, you should let Lawson do the intro more. And no, so just, see, this is why I don't let Lawson do right. the intro. That's right. He's in. Cable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh dear. All right. We probably should. Um, we probably should talk about what we're supposed to be talking about. Oh yeah. What are you grateful for, Lyle? Uh, I'm grateful for mm-hmm. Christmas lights. Really? Yes. Put up my. Shell and I put up our Christmas lights yesterday, and it was a lot of fun for Shell. And I got grumpy. <laughs> Were you like climbing up around the roof and stuff? Yeah, all that. Yeah, okay. Well, it's pretty good. I, I, I'm gonna say it right now. I yes. couldn't think of anything less exciting than Chris, Christmas lights. Really? I'm like, okay, I like seeing Christmas lights. I'm like, oh, that's cute. But in terms of doing it for myself, no way. You're just a Grinch. That's right. Just a Christmas, just Christmas Grinch I am. right there. I am. In the tree sad. as well. The tree. Who cares? Just this chuck- is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to let your neighbours know that you are a believer in Jesus. Now, we all understand. Uh, okay, we, we all what, under- by putting a Christmas tree up? No, by putting a nativity scene out. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah. But I said tree. And I said everybody else, is, everybody else on our street, they've got Santa Claus and all that kind of rubbish. <laughs> we have a nativity scene. Hey, man. Yeah. That's a powerful stand, Lyle. Uh-huh. In the midst of persecution be, be of Santa Claus different. on Lyle Street, Lyle Southwell has made a stand, guys. He is the nativity scene Christmas man. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have some uh, positively different news to cheer us up this morning, Lawson. All right, Lyle, we need to start with sad news. Oh. So you can leave the positive for me this time? Well, yeah, I guess so. We were talking about like New Zealand banning smoking. That's pretty positive. It is very positive, actually. So I I need to tell a sad story. Well, it might not be because prohibition. Yeah. But I need to tell you a story, Lyle. Okay. Okay. So you know how we've been talking, you know, we always talk about like the best forms of renewable energy. Yes. And, you know, carbon neutral energy. Yes. And you consistently come to me saying that you have the solution. Yes. And that form of energy is? Nuclear. No. The other one? Uh, hydro. Yes. So you keep coming to me and saying, hydro is the best. Hydro is. is amazing. Hydro is, is incredible. Hydro is you like- get beautiful lakes and free electricity. Well- Not free, but you know. In Asia, mm-hmm. hydro dams have been directly linked to the diminishing of tiger and jaguar populations. Ooh. Yeah, so that's a bit yikes. That doesn't make any sense. You've got more water to drink. What's that all about? Yeah, well, they keep flooding their native habitats to make reservoirs. Mm. So, yeah, unfortunately, often we, you know, during Positive News, I love to get on here and talk about um, species of animals that have completely risen from the dead. Like, But where- you could have an increase in fish populations. 
yeah. to counteract. The yeah, but at the tigers. expense of one of like the most beautiful slash exotic mm. slash rare animals in existence. Yeah, that's a bit sad. Yeah, so the tiger populations within. We don't have tigers in Australia though, so let's build more dams. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> we will say, yeah, in Australia, let's build more dams. Who will get affected? Kangaroos. Kangaroos are a pest. It's a, that's. Yeah. Actually, kangaroos will breed more because there'll be more water, and kangaroos mm. breed when there's water. Yeah. We need to flood the kangaroos out, bro. <laughs> but, yeah, the tigers, they're not in a good way. Unfortunately, um, tigers have disappeared from over 90% of their original range over the past century. And this has, yeah, in Asia, been largely linked to the building of hydroelectric dams, uh, which, you know, they've kind of been just chucking down everywhere. Asia's really at the f- forefront of this technology. They really believe in it um, all throughout, uh, whether it be China, like in areas like Shenzhen. Uh, well, Shenzhen is like, the you've got the university there that is making most of the, the projects and then sending them out all over China to build these reservoirs and dams um yeah but they say that without these reservoirs the tiger population today would be 50 percent larger wow so yeah definitely need to keep this in check i think like that's a that's a really positive point is like in the pursuit of renewable energy which i think is a worthy pursuit we're going to have another story about renewable energy after this that's very cool um but in the pursuit of renewable energy or any energy or anything, we have to remember that we are living on God's earth, surrounded by God's animals, um, and his, you know, th- these animals that he's given us to take care of and look after. And, you know, although he's He's given us a mandate to, to tend the garden and keep it, and sometimes that looks like d- the diminishing of a population of animals because they are, you know, growing into pests or growing too much, um, we need to keep in mind that there are some animals like the tigers, which are absolutely epic animals Mm -hmm. um that Mm -hmm. need protection absolutely and that their populations need to thrive um this is also yeah they've also seen a diminishing as well within um the amazon and brazil and uh yeah there's they're seeing this global trend of environments where and this is where we need to strike a balance that's right because as human beings we are to be managers of the earth Mm. which means that we don't sit back and let the earth just go wild that's right you know we don't not build dams but that we manage all of these situations. And for the most part, you know, God, back in Genesis chapter 2, told Adam that he was to be a manager of the earth. And for most part, humans naturally try and do that. Mm. Yeah, totally. And it's so interesting. Oh, man, I have, I have a friend. Um, he's, he's an awesome dude. We have deep convos. But he's, like, convinced, like, oh, without human intervention, the world would be functioning at its best. No, and I'm like, not that at all. That is absolutely not true. It's not biblical. Like, and there is, it's not only not biblical, but there's no scientific evidence to suggest None. that either. And so, yeah. And we- all human beings, all human beings naturally uh, tend towards a management model. Mm. And, you know, even the model that he's proposing is, you know, it's a management model. It's just like a, uh, well, let's not manage and that will manage it. Mm. And it's a it's an inbuilt recognition within the human species that comes from God that we need to look after our planet. That's right. But yeah, we need to do so tactfully. And so hydroelectric, fantastic. Hydroelectric killing tigers, not good. Let's <laughs> let's let's work on that. Um, oh, in other news, this is really cool. So there was a flight. It went from Chicago to DC. Pretty mm. pretty standard flight path. Yep. Done that many times. You know, uh, they had 100 people on board. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty regular kind of flight. Except this was the first flight ever in the United States, but pretty much ever for a commercial airplane, um, to be fully fueled by renewable fuel. 
So not fossil fuel. It was fully part. Hydrogen? It was, no, it was plant-based fuel. Oh, like um, ethanol. Yeah. So this was a vegan plane. Yes. Flying from. Did they put vegan food in it for the people? I hope so. It doesn't say anything about that, but they should. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, paint paint the whole plane green. Green, yeah. Or well, just like white and then like some green leaves and accents and different things and just say like now vegan or something underneath it. That would be so (laughs) funny. But yeah, legit, planes are vegan now, at least this one, because uh, the current legislation allows aircrafts to be powered only by 50% of renewable fuel. So they actually put a limit on how much renewable fuel Mm -hmm. you can use. Mm -hmm. Um, There's there's reasons for that. Yeah, you know, whether... Safety. Safety, you know, because, like, that's the thing. If if something goes wrong in an airplane... uh, It tends to go wrong epically. Pretty catastrophically. Um, but this is the well, first. It has the potential to go wrong catastrophically. Yeah. But yeah, the American, like, you know, aviation association, they allowed, they're like, okay, you know, we're going to de-restrict these laws for this one particular flight and a couple of flights that are going to come to do this, this testing with renewable, renewable fuels. And they've ultimately proved it and it works. And they're like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. Down in Sydney, I don't know whether you saw it or not, but they're planning in the next uh, five years or so to bring in like a hundred, um, VTOL aircraft for operating around Sydney, they're all running off batteries, electric. VTOL. VTOL. And it's just like, fly around, what do they do? Uh, they're air taxis. <gasps> That's so cool. Be particularly good on the harbour, I would think, because Sydney Sydney is just notoriously difficult to provide roadways for because of so many waterways. That's right. Uh, which is one of the reasons why it's one of the most clogged cities in Australia. It's also one of the most beautiful because of those waterways, mm. but it's just a horror place to try and build roads. And so they're like, we're going to do some air taxis. Yep. So either you can fly in a vegan plane in the future or you can jump in a VTOL air taxi and... EVTOL. EVTOL and... I have a mid-air crash with another EV toll. <laughs> yeah. That's so... That's VTOL, actually of course, for those of you wondering, is vertical takeoff and landing. That's so sick. Yes. Oh, that's... So basically, I want to. I want to own one. Can we yes. get our own EV toll? <laughs> yes. I think Faith hint, FM, hint, Faith FM. Faith FM needs one of these. I don't Faith. know what for, but we need one. We, we definitely we need, need one. one for, for, for news, for journalists. <laughs> yes. It will enhance our journalistic mm-hmm. experience, Lyle. So we can go out and get those stories get on. Get the scoops. We uh, can't do that with cars for local, some reason. We do so many local stories, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and you know what? We would do more if we had a VTOL aircraft. Yes. Yeah, we would, sure. do, we would do more. Seeing as we're kind of doing none right now. I can't really see how our show couldn't be enhanced by owning an aircraft (laughs) that sits right in the car park out out our window. (laughs) Just just like, like, oh, peace, I'm going to go find a story. We would have something to be thankful for every morning. Every morning we could come in and be thankful. We have a VTOL. (laughs) We have a VTOL aircraft. (laughs) Dude, this is the way. This is the way of the future. Hashtag Faith FM, let's get a trend Needs a veto. Anyways, uh, yeah, what do you guys think? 0491-064669 is the number to call, right? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, 0491-064669 is the number to call, so do give us a call or shoot us a text message. Mm. Uh, somebody texted through about renewable energy. I love animals, especially tigers, but I love human needs more. 
Tigers have been slaughtered by poachers forever. Like you said, it must be balanced properly. Mm. It's an interesting story I read, I think, yesterday about one of these um, massive, massive billionaire um, construction tycoons. Mm. They caught him in the middle of a national park in Thailand uh, where he had just poached a leopard, mm. a, a black leopard. Wow. Like a pure black leopard. Uh, the carcass was right there and he was actually, they caught him in the process of eating soup made from that leopard. I mean, that's like fully sick. It's like extremely rare animal, and he snuck in there, poached this thing, butchered it, cooked it up, and they they jailed him, jailed him for like three years or something or other. That's insane. Yeah, That's like nuts. the most insane thing you've it ever said. It is nuts. And it's just, you know, when people get so much money, they think they are immune. Yeah. And do but he did end up in jail. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They locked That's... him up. They, they threw him in, in a Thai jail. That okay. wouldn't be much fun. Yeah. They well yeah even then they they were like even dude because you'd think he'd have the money to buy his way out but nope. not not out of this one mm-hmm. wow. no, they locked him up there you go anyway uh, let's talk about this story in New Zealand I'm super excited about this so New Zealand has this aim to be smoke free by 2025 that's ambitious it's mm. it's not actually smoke free but it is definitely much better and so basically what they've done is they've created the cutoff point as 2011. Nobody born after 2011 is ever allowed to buy cigarettes. And so that will be a rolling process Hmm. that will, over time, eliminate smoking from the country. Tasmania uh, proposed this some time back and never followed through on it. New Zealand is going through with it. And so, yeah, that's just just your cutoff point. And so basically your smokers are going to die out in New Zealand. Um, Not only that, but they're going to reduce the nicotine content allowable in cigarettes. They've still got, you know, all of the other, you know, plain packaging, warnings, no advertising, etc. of smoking in New Zealand is what we have in Australia. Uh, But back in the year 2000, a quarter of all New Zealanders smoked. Mm. That's massive compared to Australia. And so they had a much bigger problem than Australia to deal with, but they're actually doing far more. Mm. And so I really commend the New Zealanders for this. They are leading the cause. Well, they're not quite leading the cause. There is only one country that is ahead of them, and that is Bhutan, which actually has full prohibition. Okay. No smoking allowed in the country of Bhutan. Uh, Makes me want to move there. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah, Absolutely. I hate smoking. It's like just such a... Anyway, such a thing that you don't yeah, like. I really detest. <laughs> I really detest. Um, what they've noted that is that non Maoris in New Zealand live on average eight years longer. Mm. And uh, while smoking in New Zealand is currently at 13%, so it dropped significantly from the year, since the year 2000, they've been doing very, very well. It's still sitting about 30% amongst the Maori population. And this is a significant contri- contributing factor to um, longer illnesses lower quality of life, um, increased expenses on the hospital system um, and obviously much shorter lives in the, in, the, in the Indigenous population. And so, yeah, the right-wing uh, minor party ACT has ripped, the, ripped it and stated that prohibition has never worked. Cringe. So I'm just sort of thinking, okay, if prohibition has never worked, why have we never legalised cocaine, heroin, ice, etc.? If prohibition never worked, then why did we put non-sniffable petrol out in the outback? Seems mm. to me that prohibition works really, really well. Mm. For those of you who think that prohibition never worked, let's consider prohibition in the United States. Mm. 
And everybody's like, oh, prohibition in the United States. This is a big example of why prohibition never worked. The reason that people say that is because it's the winners who get to write the history. Mm. Let me give you some facts about prohibition. in the United- During prohibition in the United States, domestic abuse dropped by 82%. Wow. Drunkenness by 55.3%. Assault decreased by 53.1%. Vagrancy, that's uh, homelessness, de- decreased by 52.8%. Disorderly conduct decreased by 51.5%. Delinquency decreased by 50%. Deaths due to cirrhosis of the liver decreased by 50%. The number of inmates in jails decreased by 75%. And many correctional institutions were closed entirely. Uh, General domestic complaints uh, decreased by two-thirds. Country hospital death rates were historically low. Uh, Prostitution decreased. The national crime rate declined by 38%. And some people are like, oh, yeah, but what about Chicago where you had Al Capone? Even where you had Al Capone, it still decreased in Chicago mm. by 25%. That's significant. Savings accounts tripled. Insurance policies, insurance policies written doubled because there was much more things to be insured. Uh, real estate values increased dramatically due to home improvements. And you can actually tell the quality of houses uh, in the United States based on prohibition. Mm. If you're going to buy an older home, you always buy one post-prohibition because they're built so much better than the pre-prohibition ones. It's just a thing. Wow. Uh, let me see here. Families became better clothed. Attendance at churches and schools became more regular. Factory job attendance and job performance greatly increased. Demand for services at welfare missions decreased by half. Wow. That's prohibition in the United States. And uh, this particular... Minor part in New Zealand wants to say that prohibition has never worked. You think about the United States pre-prohibition, mm. World War One. Mm-hmm. Okay, who were the great powers in World War One? The great powers in, uh, in 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 World War One were things like Britain, Russia, Germany, Austria, Hungary, and Italy. Mm-hmm. America was not a great power. It was a rising power, but it wasn't a great power. 25 years later, you have Prohibition and you have World War II and America is the single greatest power on the planet. Mm. You know, you tell me Prohibition doesn't work, you need to read a little bit of history and you need to understand some things about history. It's interesting that uh, during Prohibition, Prohibition actually ceased in Mississippi in 1966. But after Prohibition... Alcohol levels remained 30% lower than the, what they were. When Prohibition was repealed, alcohol drinking levels remained 30% wow. lower than what they were beforehand because of the education and because of the benefits that people saw as a result of Prohibition. They just didn't want to go back to it. Pre-Prohibition, alcohol levels in the United States pretty much matched what they were in Russia, where the majority of men were in a kind of permanently pickled state. Mm. Uh, it wasn't unusual for people to drink even at breakfast time and definitely at lunchtime. It was uh, an ingrained part of the culture that never actually returned fully in the United States and it still looked down upon to be drunk in that country, whereas in many other countries that did not take place. Mm. It's seen as being the single most significant factor in helping the United States survive the Great Depression. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So, you know... (laughs) Don't tell me that prohibition doesn't work. History speaks very, very differently 
in relationship to that. Um, women's rights grew because a lot of women were the driving force behind prohibition. And as a result of that, um, you had many famous women who became public speakers, became involved in the political process. And that then, you know, really pushed forward the uh, issue of um, women's rights um, forward. Okay, so heading back to New Zealand, of course, the New Zealand Greens have hailed this as a bold policy. And on one of those rare occasions, I absolutely fully support the New Zealand Greens on this one. In fact, if I was living in New Zealand right now, uh, they would actually be getting my absolute full support when it comes to issues of uh, when it comes to issues of temperance. Mm. Uh, this is an issue that I see that we need to be politically involved in. Yes. Because it improves our world, it improves everything about society, and I think what they're doing in New Zealand is a fantastic thing. Uh, the next step after dealing with smoking is to go back to dealing with alcohol because we have all of the evidence as to how effective this can be. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. Taz Walker, from Creation Ministries International. Dr. Taz Walker, welcome to the show. It's great to touch base with you, Lyle. It's great to be on Faith FM. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I understand today, of course, whenever we get you guys on, we talk about creation and uh, the science that is involved in it. I understand we're talking about our Aboriginal relatives today. Is that is that our subject? That's the subject. That's the subject. And, uh, well, it is still about creation, and it still is about the science. But it, it uh, really illustrates how this particular topic affects people and all sorts of situations in life. So, um, yeah, so I want to talk about my Aboriginal relatives. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm keen to hear about this, Taz. Tell us all about it. Well, the way, the way it works is whenever I meet somebody, often I'll play a little trick on them and uh, I'll look at them. It might be somebody from the Philippines or it might be somebody from China or it might be somebody from India or I might meet an Aboriginal person in the street or I might be, you know, in the commun Aboriginal community. And I'll look at them and I'll say, hey, you know, you and I are related. And they look at me very strange. And sort of what, <laughs> which is very interesting. And so I'll, I'll say, yeah, we are related, you know. We all go back to the same mum and the same dad. And uh, and then I'll explain, you know, after a little bit of a conversation, I'll explain. Yeah, it all goes back to Noah. You remember the story of Noah's Ark and how the world was flooded and about his family? So I'll just I mention that. And sometimes, like particularly Aboriginal people, will be familiar with the Bible stories and they will sort of, you know, really smile and think that's good. But it just illustrates how we are related. We're one family and how that contrasts with, in a way, the, the way that uh, evolutionary ideas have really undermined that and it, it divides people up. So that's what I like to do. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating because if you look back at the history of evolution, evolution really did ingrain racism into society because it created these different levels of civilization between the different races. Yes, that's right. So the the idea of Darwin's idea was that we evolved from some sort of, a, well, he thought it was an ape. We evolved from an ape. And so he looked at the different peoples in the world. He traveled on a, on a boat, the Beagle, 
and he travelled around the world and, and he would see different people and he would consider the, you know some to be very primitive and, and of the Aboriginal people in Australia he he regarded them as a, a very very primitive uh, peoples and he didn't see them as being able to to survive because evolution is the survival of the fittest and he anticipated that the wilder races as he called them would become extinct. And so that was his sort of view of uh, Australian Aborigines, and he used them as an example of evolution, you know, in his various in his book about uh, you know evolution of people. And you can still see those attitudes coming through even to this day, from time to time, where you know there's just an, an, an automatic for feeling of superiority amongst uh, some races and inferiority amongst other races, which. You know, it shouldn't be there and it wouldn't be there if we hadn't looked at them as being less evolved, some people being less evolved than others. And I guess you always look at yourself as being the most evolved. That's just <laughs> natural human nature. So, uh, this- Yeah, that's right. That's, that is exactly right. Yes, the idea of racism. Evolution is a very racist idea. And I'm always surprised, like the academics and the people in the scientists, and, and that sort of thing, when they do research into the Australian Aboriginal people, they portray them as a very ancient race. And they, they, they're trying these days to um, to give them a bit of elevation and say they, they understood the land and they had a spirituality among, about them. But they're still this looking down on them as being less evolved. I remember when my wife and I, we went on a tour through Central Australia and we called it uh, Ayers Rock at uh, Uluru. And uh, the the coach driver said, "Well, you'll see Aboriginal people here." He said, "There's quite a lot of Aboriginal people here." He says, "You know, treat them well. They're, they're really they're really decent people. They're nice people." He said, "But when you look at them, you can see that their skulls and the shape of their heads. You can see that they're definitely not as evolved. But you still treat them well. And so even ouch. you know, ouch, ouch, that's right. Ooh. And he, just from the." And so he was saying it in a nice way, but that underlying, uh, you know, attitude was there, which has sort of been brought up in you know, scientists around. Whereas the biblical worldview has a totally different, as you say, a different way of treating people. That we all come from one 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 family, one man. Actually, the Bible in. Um, in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul's talking to some Greek people, some Greek academics, actually, or philosophers, and he was talking about how God is trying to explain who God is. And he said, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times for them and the exact places where they should live. So he made from one man, and that, of course, is Adam, but we all go back to the uh, people on Noah's Ark, which is Noah and his wife, but we all really, uh, come from one of his sons. And so, you know, the people who came down and ultimately settled Australia came from one son, and the people who settled Europe came from another. And uh, so and it's really quite uh, amazing and how we can find our place in the world. But, you know, I've met Aboriginal people when they understand that, that they are the same as us. We are all equal. We're all the same. And uh, we all have value because we're made in the image of God. And we all need 
salvation because uh, because we have uh, sinned and uh, and so we're all in the same boat. And so I, I, that's why I call my Aboriginal relatives. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fantastic. Oh, that's just great. And, you know, it, it makes so much of a difference when we see people as being blood-bought children of God as compared to having you know evolved some through through some evolutionary process and when you look at the process of evolution you are forced to conclude that there are going to be you know human beings who are on different levels of that evolutionary process i mean it, it cannot be any other way if you are going to believe in evolution which That's is right. you know philosophically it is you know not the kind of thing that would be popular in our world today but it is the reality of evolution it is. It is a reality. We have uh, various scientists with crea- uh, creation ministries. One of them is now retired is Carl Whelan, and he has uh, done, done a lot of research into Australian Aborigines and human family. He's written a book called One Human Family, but uh, he's also t- documented a lot of the uh, atrocities which were carried out against Aboriginal people in Australia because the... Uh, European uh, museums were looking for specimens to put on their evolution displays. And Carl Willen wrote a, uh, an article, which is available on creation.com, called Darwin's Body Snatches, New Horrors. And, and it's really quite, it's just unbelievable, you know, the sorts of things that happened. But you can understand what was driving it, it was this belief these are Australian animal, animals that didn't regard them as people. And I remember the... Um, uh, when we had the referendum and uh, when the Australians decided to allow Aboriginal people to have the vote and, and classified them as human. But there was pre-for that, there was a, this sort of terrible stigma which was uh, classified them as animals and, of course, how bad that is. But they are my relatives. Yeah, <laughs> they're absolutely. part of my family. Don't, yeah. be, don't be messing with my relatives. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, created, as you said earlier, in the image of God. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, now, and now, they settled Australia. Mm, okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, when it comes to our Aboriginal relatives who settled here in Australia, you know, there's this whole issue of, you know, when did they settle here in Australia? Because you're going to have, you know, some scientists are going to put it 25,000 years ago, others at 40,000 years ago, others at 60,000 years ago, some others, you know, might be 100, 115, 16,000 years. Um, there's, there's all of this, uh, I guess, scientific debate as to when they arrived here, yet the Bible says that it would have been around about 4,000 years ago. How do we, how do we reconcile that? Ah, well, actually, that's a really, really significant issue is the dating and the dating of, of the, you know, the Aboriginal. It, it was 20,000, then it went up to 40,000, and then there was a, it, it went up to um, 90,000, something like that, and there was a big outcry because that messed up all the narrative, the story about human evolution and, uh, in Africa. And so there was a bit of a debate against that, but it's still, still, that's a very popular number these days, something like 60, 90,000. But basically it depends on, you know, they do various dating methods. It used to be carbon 14, but that was not giving an old enough number. And so they use other things which call things like thermoluminescence. I wouldn't let people worry about the numbers or optically stimulated luminescence or electron spin resonance, the names themselves, you know, are enough to blow you over because it sounds so technical. But the, it boils down to this, is that all dates are based on assumptions. 
and you can get any date you want depending on what samples you select and uh, what method you use and what assumptions you make. And so, you know, the, the people who do this work, they know the number that they want to get to fit in with evolution, and so they do their little tests to get a number about where they want, and they'll publish that. But the, as you say, the, the only really way to know accurately the dates of things is based on the history. We know when, you know, when Australia was settled by Europeans, we know the date of that, or 26th of January, and there's a, it's 1700 something, and uh, we know lots of dates based on history. And so that's what the Bible is, it's a history book. And uh, the, the flood was about 4,500 years ago. Then there's the Tower of Babel, which came after that. But it may even have been quite a long time, you know, hundreds of years or maybe thousands of years before people actually got into Australia. You know, they, they, they migrated down through India and into China and down into Indonesia that way, probably during the Ice Age uh, when, the, when the ocean levels were lower and then ultimately came into Australia. And then I think during the Ice Age, the, there was a land connection between uh, Victoria and Tasmania and the islands there, King Island and the other island, they would have been uh, like hills or mountains or, or, you know, big hills on, on this big plain. And so people could easily migrate across from uh, Victoria into Tasmania during the Ice Age. So that's the sort of scientific um, interpretation story as to how it, how it would have happened. And uh, it's, it's all very, very interesting. And they're different. There are different... Um, uh, waves of migration. You know, there were there were pygmy people came into Australia fairly early on, and then other groups came in. So it was just a migration from the Middle East, the uh, mountains of Ararat, where the Ark came to rest, the Tower of Babel in the Babylon area, and migrating down through India and into Australia. It's actually very interesting. Go on. I was going to, just going to say, even after those land bridges disappeared, you know, there's no reason to believe that you know there wasn't marine travel between these places as well. Of course, of course, yes. New Zealand was 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 recently populated by, well, relatively speaking, by uh, by Maori people, you know, sailing there. Yes, and they 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 had incredible uh, marine skills, and they could sail for thousands of kilometres across the ocean and navigate. And so there's no reason why it couldn't have happened like that to Australia. Mm. No, it's and, uh, actually, there's, um, there's um, if, uh, if, if you look at the, the connections between southern India, Sri Lanka, and Australian Aborigines, there are a lot of similarities in language and also in, in appearance. Uh, and so it's, it's likely, it's, it's, it's quite likely that they migrated down through India and ultimately into Australia that way. Mm, mm. Yeah, and then of course, being isolated, they form their own sort of uh, uh, people group culture. and culture, and and uh, and it goes from there. I would imagine that back then Australia would have been a more fertile place when the ice age was taking place. Yes, that'd be right, and uh, and it's it's dried out since you know since then, uh, and uh, and and I guess as people they struggled, you know, in the harsh environment to be able to, you know, survive and scrape a living together. But in spite of that, they, you know, Australian Aborigines were very uh, adapted to the land and uh, didn't know how to, to look after it and to, to uh, get their resources from it. 
Yeah, I mean, they were able to, uh, able to not just survive but to actually thrive in areas where our early explorers would go through and, and simply die. That's right. And often it was Australian uh, Aboriginal people who helped them and, and took pity on them, you know. So, uh, and, you know, cared for them, had a, had a, uh, a heart of compassion for them. So we, we have stories about that, which is quite, um, quite remarkable. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we are relatives. We are, we are all one human family. Now, Dr. Taz Walker, I think it's a great reminder for us all to remember that we are all related to Noah, we are all related to Adam, and that we have all come down through, you know, one line of people. We are all uh, brothers and sisters and cousins. Ultimately, we are all uh, blood-bought children of God and all of us made in the image of God. We need to, uh, we need to stop and remember this and to, and, and to think about it because evolution has done so much to, you know, to divide the world. Before you go, Dr. Taz Walker, uh, how do we interact with, uh, Creation Ministries International? There's a website, the website creation.com, and that's a great place where you can uh, look at many articles on, this, on Australian Aboriginals and on racism and, and issues like that and human evolution, how it doesn't work and how it's not true. And then there's also a store there where you can get resources like One Human Family. And there's uh, free literature, there's a little brochure called Two-Tone Twins, a quite amazing story of a, a couple that had twin girls and one was very dark, quite dark, and one was very fair. And so you'd say one was black and one was white, and yet they were twins. And uh, so that's remarkable. And so skin color is often used as sort of an indication of evolution, particularly in some of the evolutionary diagrams that go from black to white. And it's a very, those are very racist diagrams. But skin color is just the way God made us. And everyone, you know, whatever their color is, is, uh, is beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely. Dr. Taz Walker, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. We always appreciate it when you have the, uh, the time to come on and join us. We, we, we do look forward to, uh, your presentation. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.